Hey, what's up? Welcome to Project Freelance, the show all about freelancing, where I talk to creatives about how they built their business and where they're going from here. If you're interested, stick around, hit the subscribe button. Let's get into the show. So this is Project Freelance. This is a show where I interview other humans on the planet. Well, mostly on planet Earth. We'll see. Uh, maybe we can expand that one day. But for now, humans on planet Earth about how they built their businesses, how they started freelancing in their field and why they do what they do. This week on the podcast, I am speaking with a creator and entrepreneur named Tyler Casey. He goes by Tyler Casey Productions on Instagram, Tyler Casey P-R-O-D. You can follow him there. And we're going to be talking about how he got started as a freelance filmmaker, uh, building studios for people to rent in Los Angeles, uh, building digital assets to sell online, stock footage, and all kinds of different stuff in this episode. So if you're interested in any of that stuff, be sure to stick around all the way to the end to hear Tyler's story. Before we get into it, I got to say a quick thank you to Liquid Death Mountain Water. They supply water for my life. You know, they're absolutely incredible. They've been great to work with, and I love Liquid Death Mountain Water. If you want to give it a try, go to liquiddeath.com. Otherwise, Let's get into this episode. This is Project Freelance. Tyler, please introduce yourself and what it is you do to the Project Freelance audience. My name's Tyler Casey. Uh, I co-own a company called Cinepax. Uh, we started it, I started it with my uh, business partner, Andy Chin. We started back in 2019. It originally started out as a online site for digital assets. And um, I had a background in music video editing. Me and my partner both came from uh, the music video world. We shot a lot of run and gun music videos and then kind of to get started to get some decent budgets. And then we um, we decided to start a site together and we did that for about two years. And then we decided to branch out into physical products. Uh, so we started selling lens filters and then we actually opened studios. Um, since then, we've um, expanded. We have three different studios, and we've recently been getting into virtual production. So, yeah, that's that's what I've been doing these days. <laughs> Just scaling like crazy. That's awesome, dude. And so take me back to, like, the very beginning. What made you get into filmmaking in the first place? When did you, like, first pick up a camera, all that stuff? Yeah, I want to say... Uh... As a child, I always had like a camera in my face, you know, just the classic um, VHS camera always around. But uh, I really got interested in editing once I had like Windows Movie Maker on my parents' PC back when I was in like fifth grade, was always playing around with that. And then from there, I was just always trying to like get a better editing software. So I was like, I would install so many viruses on the family computer and I I got like a cracked version of Sony Vegas and I was using that um I picked up like everyone had like those flip cameras so I had a couple of those um and I was just shooting you know music videos school projects anything I really could um and computers were so bad back then it is crazy how limited um I was like, just like with like the, the amount you could do, like how often it would crash everything. It's just crazy to look at like what you can do now with like phones and everything, what the youth has access to. But um, yeah, I was always really interested in it. So I probably was editing since like fifth grade. Wow. And then, yeah, in high school rolled around, they had like a video production class. So I continued with that. Um, I was really interested in that. They wouldn't let you in until like you were a junior, senior. So I took that both years. Um, and then I went to like community college for a year and for the first semester I wasn't doing anything in film and 
I just kind of still had that urge to want to do something in that. So I transferred to another community college that had those classes and I took that for about like two and a half years. And then I just uh, started picking up freelance jobs around there. I was doing music videos. I was doing real estate, weddings, really anything I could. And I also reached out to like some mentors on Instagram. Um, this was like kind of early Instagram days. So um, I was even like, I was just taking any opportunity I could get. And yeah, I reached out to some mentors um, and I went and helped them on set. And then if you, what I realized very early on, if you show your worth and show how valuable you are to people on set and whatnot, they're going to bring you back and they're going to pay you pretty soon if you work hard. So yeah, it definitely worked out. Dude, you just blew through like all of my questions. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. No, it's great. We're going to yeah. unpack them a little bit. Um, so can you talk about like the importance of, you know, pursuing your passion early on for those that are listening that are maybe in high school that are like considering going into the film direction, um, pursuing that passion versus going to like a four year college where you have like limited access to like filmmaking, unless you go to like a, a trade school, like I did, I went to SAE Institute in Dubai and studied film there. Uh, so yeah. Can you just talk about like pursuing your passions early on and like sticking to that? Yeah. I, I think it's definitely hard with like the pressure from like parents. Mm -hmm. Um, and even from the school, I remember just like so much pressure, like, Oh, you need to go to four year. You're not going to get a job, blah, blah, right. blah, blah, blah. Like it was just every day in your ear in high school. And you, you kind of felt like shit, like in school, like, Oh, I'm going to community college, you know, or like, I'm not going to college. Like they like, just especially from like, um, when I, the time when I was in school, I'm sure it's pretty similar to what it is now. Um, but they, they pressure you so much. And I think you don't like, especially where, how important media is these days. Um, you can get a lot more experience just reaching out to people and getting on sets wherever mm -hmm. you are. Um, obviously some areas are limited, but I mean, a lot of like just big major cities have um, a lot of productions going on. So uh, what was the question again? So I can, I feel like I got a little off subject there. Oh, no, you're good. It was just like pursuing your passion early on and like the importance of doing that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think it's good to just explore and figure out what you exactly want to do. I, I think it's good to experiment, like, especially, the, I mean, that's one cool thing about, um, I'm sure you experienced in school is the fact that you can try a bunch of different um, positions. So you can, yeah. you know, like I played around with, I even did like some, like live TV stuff. Like I took a class like that and that was pretty fun. Like we all got to like one day you'd be on camera one day you'd be in like the switch room and you'd be like switching the cameras. And it was just cool. Like just seeing the different positions and all that. And especially in like film classes, um, like typically the teacher will have you work, um, you know, different positions, like whatever, like project to project basis. So like one day you'll be the DP another day you'll be like the editor, vice versa. You can kind of just see what you like and what you don't like. And I think that's important. Like I, I kind of realized once I got out of film school um, that I kind of didn't like doing films. I just didn't like, I don't know. I just, it just wasn't for me. Sure. Um, I mean, I still do some type of like short film, film content, but yeah, it just, it was just something that I learned, but I think it's important to just try all those things and yeah, just dip your toes in the water and just see what you like and, you know, 
just try the different roles in film. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I can super relate to that. You know, in school, we had to do short films. We had to do script writing, kind of a little bit of everything. Foley class, like, you know, we did a little bit of everything, which was cool, so that we could kind of dip our toes in these different avenues to see, like, what we liked. And for me, personally, like, I'm kind of in the same area you are like I don't particularly like doing like long form films unless it's a documentary because like that's my thing is like documentary Mm -hmm. filmmaking is my jam I love telling stories and people's stories like unscripted reality is like my kind of stuff um for you like on set and offset like how did you find your value and your worth you talked a little bit about that like making sure you know that, but for you, how'd you find that? How'd you figure out like what to charge people when you first started out and like what you charge now, like that process? Because I know a lot of people struggle with like changing their rates and like, at, like increasing their rates over time because they feel like they like, are people actually going to pay me that? Or am I just like being an ego monster and like trying to make more money? For sure. Yeah, no, it's always a struggle. And you know, we always, I, I still struggle like uh as a business we're struggling with that um because we're doing these virtual productions but we're like virtual production is a very expensive space and we want to be affordable but then now we have like these large companies coming through and then they just like kind of look at this price and they're like wow that's that's really low you know Mm -hmm. um so they they in a sense like so that's that's way ahead so I'll, i'll go back so when i first started out trying to figure out a price just to what to price a music video you know and it, I think it really depends on your experience. Like you don't want to obviously like for your first few like videos or whatever, like I, I really think they should be free yeah. Um, or at least, you know, covering gas or some type of expenses or have some type of trade, you know? Um, I feel like there's always like some type of trade you can do, whether it's like you're filming for this business, they can give you product or something along those lines. Um, I always feel like there's something there, but I think, people often jump into this way too quickly and want to charge right out the gate without having any experience or any work to show. Like, it's like, you're not going to purchase something if you can't see any type of past experience, you know, Um, just like look at it from the client's perspective. So I think once you have a decent portfolio built up, um, you could reach out to other videographers in the area that could work as well just to kind of gauge what the pricing's like but i think it's something you always have to work at um and slowly raise your rates and i think it also i think you can charge more when you market yourself correctly so that's like i think that comes down to like showing your final products displaying them in a way that looks professional um having a website um having a you know just a well laid out Instagram with like behind the scenes with like just content around what you do to educate your, um, what's the word to educate your customers. So yeah. So when you work with them, I feel like if, if you have all that laid out, if you send like an invoice that lays out every detail that of what you're going to do, they're going to be, I think that's another important thing. If you send an invoice, I think that's important from early on. If you send an invoice that has like everything laid out, like, Hey, this is the pre-production. This is how long the production shoot's going to go for. And this is the editing. You're going to have X amount of revisions. And that also saves you legal and you just have everything mm-hmm. laid out. Say it's a, you know, even when you're starting out, just a basic invoice like that you get off some Google template is 
definitely really important because I know a lot of people just like, Hey, how much for a video? 150 bucks. Cool. Let's go do it. And then they have all these issues later on and they expect more and more. So just say what the deliverables are going to be like, whether it's like, Hey, we're going to give you two Instagram reels, two vertical videos, uh, a horizontal video and X, Y, and Z. So I think that's really important because I think that comes off, uh, like they're actually, you know, like it feels, it just feels more put together and it feels like they're getting their money's worth. So I think that's one way that you can justify your pricing. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, we can touch on this as well. The importance of having a contract, you know, it, you, you just talked about like when you just say like, Oh, 150 bucks, whatever you have these problems later on. And then you get into all this, all these issues. And so talk to me about like the importance of having a contract with people, because a lot of people just kind of throw a number out there and do the job and then never get paid. And I'm trying to help people avoid that with this show. You know, I, I'm really yeah. trying to like cover people as best I can. Like I'm not legal counsel. You're not legal counsel, but like what, what is the importance of having a contract and, and why should you have one? Yeah. I mean, at least just setting up payment plans of just like being upfront uh, when you need the money by, I mm-hmm. mean, if you really are in a bind and you can't do a contract, I mean, just getting it over text and just saying, hey, I require 50% of the payment up front and the mm-hmm. other 50%, uh, let me know if that works for you. And then, you know, I mean, I assume that could probably hold up in court. I'm yeah. in small claims court. I'm not exactly sure. But I mean, I think it's just good to be upfront and communicate with your client just so you're both on the same page because especially if you just had a long phone call, it's good to follow up with that, whether it's with the invoice, with a contract, something along those lines. Um, I think it's really important just to protect yourself and also the client, you know, you don't want whether you have like a, you know, like you don't want your Yelp or your Google blown up in the next few weeks. Like, Oh, this person didn't deliver X, Y, and Z. And then it, yeah. So I, I think it's just really communicating with the client is one of the most important things. Definitely. And, you know, sometimes things come up. I just had a a situation where I worked with like a very reputable company and they took over like a month and a half to send the final payment. And Mm -hmm. I was just chasing this payment and eventually had to get like legal involved, you know, to just send an email basically saying like, if you don't pay this up, we're basically going to take you to small claims court. And then they immediately within five minutes were like, deposit's been made, you know, it's like, yeah. It's it, it can be frustrating in this industry, especially as a freelancer, because you you are your own advocate. You know, you have to mm-hmm. you have to cover yourself and you have to make sure that you're taken care of at the end of the day. So, yeah, thank you for talking about that and like the importance of that. I think it's super important that people are aware that these things happen, which is why I like to share you know my personal experiences on this show about like times that I've been scammed or screwed over. And and for you, have you ever been screwed over in, in general or on a job or anything? Yeah, for sure. Um, I had a music video and I got half the payment and then they're just like, Oh, like I'll pay the rest once the video's done. And typically me, I wouldn't start editing until I was paid yeah. in full. Um, that's just, yeah. And that's what I was going to say too. You can really do what works for you. You could, do 50% deposit the rest when the final's done you can do 50 and then 25 25 you can kind of talk with your client and see where they're at because everyone's financial situation's different um so i think that's one important thing but yeah definitely one time i just like okay so i ended up not coloring the video 
Okay. And I just put uh, I put like a timestamp on the entire thing, and sure enough, I my gut was right, and then they just ghosted me, and so <laughs> I I did an edit, and the video never dropped, and yeah. um, I'm trying to think, I, I've done that, I di- actually did that recently. I did a video for a pretty reputable artist and they just hit me up to edit and I I was working with the manager and then they're like, oh, can you do this one too? And then I did the rough cut and then they just scrapped the video because it was just shot so badly. <laughs> and I typically don't do edits like that, like just other people's footage, but yeah. I just did it just because, I don't know, just want to try and do it and then it ended up not working out. So right, yeah, um, it happens, so you just got to do your best too. And it's hard because some people are, are really good at doing that, like kind of finessing you in a way and basically, you know, making you think that you're going to get paid. So it's just important to kind of hold your own and um, just kind of stick to like what you typically do. Yeah. And for everyone listening, if it sounds shady, if your gut is like something feels off, it's probably wrong. Like it's probably Mm -hmm. not a good situation. Like even this morning I was dealing with somebody that was like, uh hey like i want this edited here's my budget and i was like cool sounds good these these are my methods of payment you know pick whichever one works best for you and they were like oh can i like take a photo of a check and like send it (laughs) i'm like what no i'm like i literally said no because i've been scammed out of this before i don't take checks blah 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 blah. and they were like what what happened and i'm like i literally sent them a youtube video that i made like four years ago about this situation where i got scammed out of a ton of money this long story short this company posed as hype beast the company that distributes like supreme clothing Mm -hmm. and they uh they sent me a check for a certain amount of money i cashed the check and then had to pay the model agency that they like knew out of that money and then their check bounced. So my bank took the money out of my account. So it was like, I was young and naive, had no experience, was like super inexperienced and just got totally screwed over. So I've definitely learned from those mistakes. And I feel like a lot of filmmakers and freelancers have to go through a situation like that at least one time to like never let it happen again. And that's why we have like contracts and, you know, things like that put in place and, you know, it's, it's rough out here, but you know, we love what we do. And I mean, if you weren't doing this, what would you, what would you be doing? Oh man. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah. So I've only had two other jobs. I, of course I worked at McDonald's right out the gate uh, in high school, my senior year. And then I worked at in and out for a little bit and that was it. So hopefully I, hopefully I wouldn't still be working at in and out, but I'm not exactly (laughs) sure. So yeah. So let's talk about Cinepacks a little bit more. I would love to know like why you wanted to go into digital products and then physical products ultimately. Uh, talk to me about that process and like like why you wanted to do that. Yeah, so uh, I've always had a YouTube channel. I've always done a lot of editing. I've always done, kind of always have played around with like stop motion and stuff like that. So I kind of had the idea to create this paper transition asset pack. And there were other companies out at the time that were kind of getting started in digital assets. And I kind of just wanted to start my own thing. So I was talking with my uh, my DP at the time, Andy, and I was like, hey, we should start a site. He's like, yeah, I have some LUTs that I made. And he was kind of into coloring at the time. So I was like, okay, cool. So we, we took a couple of days. We came up with a name. We filed the LLC um, and yeah, we kind of just got started and then I posted it on my YouTube and we got some sales. I think we had a good amount of sales the first month and then 
we just kept coming up with more and more ideas of packs and we had a good amount dropped by like the first year. And then the second year we, we definitely did like we saw like there were some physical product or physical lens filter companies out. Um, and we've seen, we've used some other products. We shot music videos. So we did a, like doing a lot of in camera effects. So we had the idea to create like a handheld um, split diopter filter um so it was kind of crazy so we we actually went to just like china to get that created we had no we actually talked with a patent lawyer but they basically said like anyone who like basically the idea we have like they would basically like we could patent our specific design but mm-hmm. anyone could just like change the handle or whatever and just oh. make it their own <laughs> so we're like okay so we didn't really we didn't understand that we should be fast to the market yeah. So some other ones popped up. So we're like, he like sent me a picture. He's like, someone has our design. And I'm just oh. like, fuck. So we basically just like, we went out and shot the promo the next day. We asked a friend who has a studio out here, Redball Sunny, uh, Redball Studios. And um, we shot it the next day and we just dropped the pre-orders and we dropped the products. And it, it did pretty well. It, it's definitely hard. Like, it's crazy to see like, Cause you see it all the time on like the shows like shark tank and all those other things, like where people get their like products stolen and stuff, but it's just crazy to see like these big companies have your product and like that your idea was like one of the first ones to create. So basically like the person in China, like leaked our design and like Damn. did all this <laughs> stuff. So it, it definitely sucks. Um, but you know, so there's nothing you can really do about it. So digital product or physical products are definitely tough, but digital mm-hmm. products have the same, uh, have similar issues where uh, you have fraud, you have all these uh, like you can definitely get like a lot of chargebacks because um, it's digital. So they can by the time the order gets canceled, it already shipped. It goes instantly. Oh, to their yeah. Email. Yeah. So they can so, like dispute it on PayPal or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. So it's definitely trickier with digital products. But, you know, there's there's um, pros and cons to each. But yeah. So. We still sell physical products. We're still trying to design some more, but um, yeah. So we we we've definitely designed a few more in, uh, since then, and then 2020 in October. So we launched the physical products, and then we opened up our first studio. So uh, wow. yeah, and that one's still running. So um, yeah, that one was cool. We put like a 10 foot by 10 foot video wall in there, um, and then we've just added. We've tried to just put as much. So like. With that studio, we tried to offer as much value as we could because we saw a problem with current studios that like, I don't know if you've ever shot at like any peer space locations in LA, but (laughs) yeah, so some are really good and some are horrible. So Mm -hmm. we go, one thing we noticed is like people are like nickel and diming for everything and it's it's hard. Like Mm -hmm. you go in and they charge you to use a table. They charge you to use a Bluetooth speaker, which is just like, those are just basic amenities. Like I can see like lighting equipment that makes sense, you know, but like a table, like, come on, man, we have had some tables stolen on, unfortunately, like crews just, I don't know. (laughs) I need this table. Yeah. I mean, tables are expensive. They're like 120 bucks if you get the big six foot ones, but it, but so we decided to include all that. We also include at that studio. We also include basic, uh, C stands, um, sandbags and then we just included as many sets as we can so now it has i want to say it has like over eight or nine sets in it so we have like the led wall we have a laser included 
we have like the neon floor we have the hacker room we have like a neon tunnel and then we have like a vintage house and then we have a um a newspaper room so there's all these sets included and like we just wanted to include and that's for only like 99 an hour so we definitely wanted yeah so it's really cheap so we tried to include as much as we can um to bring as much value and then and you also get you know you get to use our tables and our bluetooth speaker of course so (laughs) yeah but like with the with the bigger studio that we just opened we couldn't include all those things um we still include a bluetooth speaker but just like the 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 grip equipment we really couldn't do anymore Mm -hmm. because it's just kind of a different dynamic but um we still try and be as accommodating as possible yeah and so 2020 was like the height of COVID. Were you guys doing construction during that time or like, was it already done? Um, no. So we kind of just took a little risk. We, so 2020 was a pretty good year for us because we were at home every day and mm-hmm. we were working on the website. We just went, oh, cool. we, we dropped like, I don't, I, it was crazy. We dropped so many packs. It was just back to back to back. And we were just, uh, we even ran like an editing contest because there was like a little break in the summer where it got better and stuff opened up. Sure. So we did an editing contest. We shot a free music video for an artist and then we uploaded all the raw footage online and we, I think we gave away a Sony a7S III. And okay. yeah. It, it, where was it, I? What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was, it was definitely cool. We've definitely wanted, it, it, it was, yeah, really popular. Yeah. It, it was a lot of fun. Um, we watched like over 800 different edits. It was wow. crazy. Um, so yeah, we did that. And then from there, we, uh, I don't know, just like 20, uh, like in October, we just were kind of looking around like, let's open a studio. And then, uh, yeah, the studio really didn't like come together till like January 1st is when it. it finally started getting booked. Um, we just had, we and luckily like, so what happened is, um, we had some of the sets built, but the guy who's building our sets was just really busy. He was working on like really big productions at the mm-hmm. time. So then this neighbor just moved in. He's like, Hey, you guys are setup hacks, right? And then my partner's just like, Yeah. And then he's like, Oh, I just moved in upstairs. Like, I like I build sets and I like manufacture props and all this stuff. <laughs> no way. And then we're like, Cool. And he's like, Oh, I could build you guys a set. And then he's like, Really? And he's like, When could you do it? He's like, I do it this weekend. And then he built like this whole hacker room within like, what? like one or two days. Like, and then we've worked with him on every production since. So like, wow. yeah, he, he's built a lot of our sets. Uh, we opened another studio called the greenhouse and that one is like, a. I had the idea to like make a, um, like bring outdoors inside. Mm-hmm. So it has like grass on the floor. It has a tree in the living room. It's all overgrown. Wow. Um, yeah, it's really cool. And it was kind of slow at first because it was like a very different idea. For but sure. then it definitely caught on. We've had a lot of cool music videos shot there. We had like uh Angus Cloud from uh Euphoria. He was he did like the what was it? Complex magazine shoot there, which yeah. was super cool. Um but yeah, so th- that was our second studio. Um, we almost closed that one because it got really slow because it's just very niche. Yeah, for but sure. it picked up back up. It picked back up in the spring, so it's it's doing well again. We're we're toying around with some different ideas of what we can update it to. Um, and then twenty twenty one, we decided to open up. Like we we just thought the idea of having like people loved the LED wall. Yeah, but for sure. 
we wanted to um, create something. The biggest thing is we wanted somewhere where we could pull a car in and be able to park the car in front of the LED wall. So we ended up getting a giant LED wall uh, at the studio in North Hollywood. So yeah, that's what we ended. That's our third studio. That's amazing, dude. Congrats on, you know, three studios in LA. That's, that's gotta be like, I can only imagine what the rent is first of all in LA, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's gotta yeah. be wild, but like to cover your costs and your overhead and like make a profit, like that's fucking incredible. So huge congrats to you. And, you know, I, I wish you the best with all those and, hopefully uh hopefully you bring some of that that energy of like you know creating a studio opening studios to like the rest of the world because i think that you're right about peer space you know there's there's a lot of like nickel and diming on there and i think that going through like a an individual directly would be so much cooler like for me i live in nashville and we have this place here called warren paint it's an old paint warehouse and the sun took it over and turned the empty rooms into different sets so there's like a a sick room for like a hospital scene. He's got a jail cells, an interrogation room, like a bunch of stuff. And uh, he is on peer space, but if you know him, he'll give you like the family, the homie, the homie rate basically, you know? So it's pretty sure. cool. It's pretty yeah, cool it, to like no, no people that are like doing this kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's tough because I, I do like peer space because they sure. do offer a lot of promotion and yeah. like it, it definitely is helpful and their customer service is better than other sites that i've used for sure they do take a percentage which sucks but oh, i had no idea yeah so they take a percentage and like the number that you're seeing when you check out is different from what we see they charge a processing fee on top of that Holy but shit. then there's also like you know so like with us like we do still charge the cleaning fee but the cleaning fee doesn't specifically go to cleaning like we can't really change the name of it right but it's going towards our site reps like we try and pay our Got site it. reps a, a a good wage um so that goes towards our site reps to be there to help you with anything that you need during the booking but at the same time um like you can totally go outside of peer space and try and contact people directly yeah and sometimes we do it but we typically only do it for like larger bookings that can provide like coi in LA, in la so they have sure. insurance sure but there is some type of protection through peer space which protects both parties like we were saying right. if there's anything you know going on so i mean peer space isn't all bad but um true, true. if you can make a connection with the um the person renting you the space that's always you know i think that's the most important thing is just like uh, like from someone who owns studios it's respecting the space leaving it better than you found it true and you know just making connection with the the people who run the space or even the site reps like if you know if you give them respect obviously like they're gonna respect you back and maybe hook you up so i think that's always goes for like when renting a space is just you know making sure you leave it how you left it you found it yeah absolutely so Real quick, one of your uh, packs on on the site is the uh, LA FPV drone pack. Who's flying your FPVs? I don't think I can legally say that because <laughs> he, I don't think he wanted his name on there. Okay, for sure. I was just curious. <laughs> you know, I, I love FPV stuff. And, you know, I was kind of like browsing through the site a little bit before we got on here. And, you know, uh, so, some of us have flown the U.S. bank building. <laughs> Gotcha. Let me. Which you're not supposed to do, but yeah. you know, fuck it. <laughs> yep. 
Um, but yeah, it's a super cool pack. And, you know, I think, I think stock footage is, is cool to, to do. I do it when I travel, I travel so much for work that I always have my drone with me. I'm always trying to get stock footage. Not that it pays as well as it used to back in the day. You used to be able to make like thousands of dollars on stock. Yeah. footage, But now it's like, you made 99 cents today. Congrats. Like fuck. what, what sites do you uh, currently sell on? Uh, so I was on overstock flight for a while, but they, I don't think they're around anymore and they mostly did like drone stuff and like driving plates and stuff. Um, but I mean, you know, your standard Adobe stock, mm-hmm. Shutterstock, Pond5, that kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I've, I've been on black box. I don't know if you've oh, tried yeah. that one. Yeah. Yep. Um, I've been there and it, it's, it's, I like that they've been uploading to all the sites for you. Cause it's right. so much work to just it's go so through each site. Yeah. Um, I've had, I don't know. I've had decent success with it, but yeah, it's definitely tricky. I can't actually even find the FPV. I can't remember his name right now, it's all but, good. um, yeah, it's, uh, black box has definitely been cool because I've had a couple friends who've been in like on like ones where they make you sign like an exclusive contract. Right. And yeah. I'm just, not about that. <laughs> no. Um, so yeah, I, it, it's tough to like make money in stock. I think you have to get like specific clips because like sure. I, I could even pull up, I want to see what I did this month. Cause I got a few sales and black box. Honestly, I've had the best success with. Yeah. Um, For me, it's been because I have some stuff on black box, but it's one of those that I like forgot about until like mm -hmm. two months ago. And then I was like, oh, shit, I should probably check that. And, you know, there was like a decent amount in there, which is cool. But for me, I think uh, Pond 5 has been my best. Um, I've got some clips of Seattle, like the the um, the Ferris wheel and stuff like that. So that that's usually like a top seller of mine is the the Ferris wheel in Seattle does pretty well. Yeah. Everyone has like a specific clip that sells yeah. really well. Like oh, sure. my overall sales, this may be from like 2018 is roughly like 5,000, but like okay. that was when the hype, but like right. this month I've made like 20 bucks, but sure. you know, For it's, sure. it, it's cool. There's specific clips. Like I had a clip of like the Bay bridge that I took and I think it was just the way that I like, wrote the description like i mm. wrote like um cars commuting on bay bridge from san francisco to oakland east oh, okay. bay and i just got very specific you know and yeah. that, for some reason that clip just keeps selling and it's probably that's probably like at least like a couple thousand of that money is just that single clip which is just yeah. crazy for but sure. that that's i would definitely try black box a little bit more because what they've done yeah. recently is They'll also put your footage on like subscription sites for you as well. Oh, shit. so you get okay. like some of that subscription money, which is like, because that's that's the problem with stock now is it's all subscriptions. Yeah, so like, exactly, you get like a piece of a pie, which is like, <laughs> who knows how to calculate that? So, right. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I I love stock footage. I think it's a, a cool avenue to to redistribute your footage that is just like sitting on your hard drives, you know, and make some extra money off that stuff. I think it's a great way to like repurpose that, that content basically. Um, for you, let's talk about YouTube a little bit. So I remember seeing your RGB light tubes video for like $10. Oh yeah. I remember seeing that, like when that came out, it was like a couple of years ago, but, um, yeah. Talk to me about making content for YouTube and what that that's been like for you over the years. Yeah, it's it's been on and off. Um, when I I mean, when I was doing a lot of music videos, I noticed there was like a gap in people 
who were doing music video tutorials who actually sure. shot music videos. Mm. So I was trying to just take everything that I learned and figured out and just put it out there. And yeah, I mean, I did Amazon affiliate stuff. I was doing sure. all that stuff in the, what's it called? I even played around with like a few, like of my own personal digital products beforehand. Um, so yeah, I mean, it definitely was like it, that, I mean that it, it, it's YouTube's definitely hard. Cause you don't want to like cater to like, I have like a video that's like, that was like super cringy looking back and it was like, Oh, like Cole Bennett effects. And like, it's, it's tough just making like specific, like videos like that, that will just like do well, right. you know, like it feels good getting a bunch of views, but it also doesn't feel good if you're not creating something that you are super into, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely been a cool journey. And then I, I feel like I just, from there, once Cinepack started, I was creating like YouTube videos on like how to use the packs and how to For use sure. the free packs. So that's one thing that I did early on is like we dropped a lot of free packs to, you know, offer free offer value for people to just get these effects without having to purchase the full pack. Right. And I would just make a tutorial just only using the free pack. And then like at the end, I would like show the full pack, but like no pressure. You don't have to buy it, you know, mm -hmm. um, and people do that. They just take the free packs, download all the free packs and just go about their way, which is totally fine. So yeah, that's that's kind of where I've been at with YouTube. And then I felt like I got a little burnt out doing those same tutorials over and over again because like yeah. the way you use some of the packs are like sometimes redundant, you know, it's the same right. thing, just different looks. So I've put some of those on the Cinepax channel and then... um yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Trying to figure out where to take it now. Um, definitely want to get back a little more into YouTube. But yeah, I, d I did enjoy like, you know, like dropping like if I do have like a really cool idea or like something really valuable to release like that tube light video, like we were using those for like, I don't know, a really long time. Like they were so cheap and like you can build some really cool sets with them. Um, and I knew that video would like always go viral it was my friend who taught me those that tube light effect like those specific ones i felt bad like giving that free game away <laughs> just that early so once it kind of once we stopped uh uh once we stopped using them um i decided to make the video so gotcha. yeah no it's cool it's been it's been cool to like you know catch some of your stuff over the over the years and like see some of your content and you know, uh, let's pivot a little bit and talk about your podcast, what you guys talk about on there, and then uh, we'll wrap this thing up. Sweet. Yeah. Um, yeah, the podcast. Um, yeah, I mean, I've I've pretty much just talked to other creators um, in the music video world. Um, recently, I, t I talked with my partner, Andy Chin. That one's pretty cool. Recently, we talked about uh, just virtual productions and everything we've been doing at the studios. Forgot to mention, so we have like kind of like a third partner and he's uh, his name's Josh. He's Mango Quafer on Instagram. He's a crazy guy. Definitely check him out. But he basically builds all the Unreal maps for our virtual production stuff. Wow. And yeah, he's it's, it's definitely a lot of work. It's definitely crazy. Uh, and if you, he's like builds all these environments himself and basically we hook up like a three we use a htc vive and that's a camera tracker that goes on your camera and then it links it to unreal engine 
Uh, we have camera trackers like rigged up to our lighting grid. And so basically when you move the camera, uh, the background moves and parallaxes with it. For sure. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of like the gist of like virtual production, but yeah. he basically, um, he's like our stage director. He'll be, so like if we have a client come in, he'll, um, he'll basically, you know, take whatever vision. So like, he'll say, okay, like we want to be on a desert. And then the coolest thing about virtual production is you can really change the environment. If you want to film right. like at blue hour for a 12 hour day, you can do that, you know, oh, okay. or if you're like, Hey, like let's move some trees in. He can literally move trees in like, which is, it's just crazy. So it, it definitely is a time consuming process, sure. but at the same time it can like, it can save you a lot of money traveling to those locations. It can save you time. And yeah, there, there's a lot of cool things about virtual production. So, um, yeah, the, my podcast has kind of been on the back burner. So I figured I'd talk about virtual production. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I think it's cool that you're integrating like the, you know, the more computer generated stuff with the practical. I think that that's awesome, you know, and like you said, it, it saves you from having to fly to a, a desert and deal with sand and your gear mm. and, you know, lighting issues and all that stuff. I think it's cool that you're integrating those two worlds together. And uh, what have you got coming on like this year? Like, what are you working on? Any big projects you're excited about? Um, really just trying to upgrade the studio and just kind of get that. Like it's a, it's almost been a year since we had like the video wall up and running. So we're really just trying to push that a lot more and just um, trying to create, trying to figure out some ways to create some content for uh, Cinepax in general in the studios. We've actually been working with Aperture. Um, we've been doing some collabs with them. So they've we've been doing virtual productions. Like we have one on the 19th and we're trying to, we'll basically only use Aperture lights and then just do like a five to 10 second or 30 second like scene. And then we'll only use Aperture lights and then just to kind of showcase what we can do in virtual production. So that's been a lot of fun. So we've just been coming up with ideas with that. Um, yeah, it's been pretty cool. So like, uh, I think we're trying to do like a, a rooftop, like we want to see if we could do like a rooftop, like scene, like where someone's like fighting someone on a rooftop and then they run and jump to the other rooftop. Nice. So seeing if we could pull that off and just, you know, see if we can pull things off that would typically be really dangerous and really expensive <laughs> and see sure. if we could do it at a low budget. So that's All kind that. of what we've been doing. Very cool. Well, hey, thank you for coming on Project Freelance. Um, last question for you. What is something you know now that you wish you knew when you started? Um, I think it's okay to say no to certain opportunities. And if you're not, you know, like, I, I feel like... Hmm. That could work, but I don't know if that's the right answer. Uh. <laughs> I totally get it, though. Like, yeah. I, I just I just started getting to a place where I can say no to stuff out of, like, wanting to do other things or, you know, not exactly. wanting to, like, spend my time on something that's not going to fulfill me as a creator. For sure. I think once you can get to that point, it's important to uh, be aware when you can actually start to say no. Mm -hmm. um, because obviously in the beginning, you should try and take every opportunity um that comes your way just to sure. learn. And then once you do it, you can obviously say no the next time. But I think once you get to that point, I think it's important to, you know, for the self-preservation and 
just to help your creativity, just to uh, start to say no to certain projects. So yeah, I, I think that's an important skill and something to learn for a lot of people who are also like workaholics and, you know, I think it's important. So yeah, definitely. So if people want to get involved with anything that you're doing, rent one of your studios or pick up some packs, where can they, where can they go? Yeah, you can go to cinepacks.com. Um, you can check us out on Instagram at Cinepax and then cinepacks.studios. Uh, my personal is Tyler Casey P-R-O-D on Instagram. Yeah, and that's pretty much where we all are. So, All right, guys, that was my episode with Tyler Casey from Cinepax. If you guys want to check his stuff out, all of his links are down in the description. The Cinepax Studio and the Cinepax uh, Digital Asset website is down in the description for you guys. If you enjoyed this episode of Project Freelance, please do me a favor and leave a rating and some feedback. It helps the podcast grow. It helps us find other creators just like you that are interested in this kind of content. If you enjoyed this, stick around. Hit the subscribe button. We, uh, I try to do these you know, frequently. I used to do them every Monday, but with my schedule, how much I work and how much I travel now, it's it's been a little bit more difficult to get these consistently. But uh, I'm trying to jump back in and get them back to every Monday. So stick around and browse the last episodes. I've got over 100 episodes for you to check out. So thank you. My name's Kay, just the letter K. I'll talk to you guys next time. Stay strong. Keep enduring.